Welcome to the Practice Impossible Podcast, where your host, Jude Pierre, MD, also known as Coach JPMD, discusses medical practice topics that will guide you through the maze that is the business of medicine and teach you how to increase profits and help populations live long. Your mission, should you choose to accept, is to listen and be transformed. Now, here's your host, Coach JPMD. Welcome to the Practice Impossible Podcast with your host, Coach JPMD. And today we have the honor of having a good friend and a colleague, Dr. Brunel Joseph, on the podcast. But but it, it's been a long time coming. We had two failed attempts, and it's been an impossible mission <laughs> trying to get Dr. Joseph on. The first time, we actually recorded from your office, right? I yes, think. yes. And, you know, I f- feel like I'm getting old. I'm telling stories now, so mm-hmm. I'm going to tell this story. So we recorded in your office. We had a great conversation. I thought it was great. And you hung up, I hung up, and I tried to play it, and it was gone. There was no audio. And that was almost a year ago. Yes, yes. I was embarrassed, and I think Dr. Joseph would be the only person that I could actually have muster the courage to say, hey, could we do it again? <laughs> so we came, he came to my house, we were in a rental, and I said, you know, we're going to do it live, and uh, we'll, we'll record it then. Well, we recorded it. We had a very good episode and it was garbage again. So for those podcasters out there, for those who are trying to to do something different, let me tell you, it it was hard for me to ask Dr. Joseph to come back, but he did. And here he is, Dr. Brunel Joseph. Thank you for coming on the Practice Impossible podcast. And uh, we're so happy to have you. And, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself or maybe even catch up with life because, you know, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks and months. So what's been going on? Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, it's it's been busy, you know, what we do. It's uh, we are working every day. But between now with family, you know, when we started this, it was just me, a single guy, you know, <laughs> working every day. But now family is growing. Yeah. So you say family. I, I know you got married. Yes. So tell us about how marriage life is. And it's been you're past the honeymoon stage, right? Because you're oh, yeah. past a year, right? Oh, yeah. My goodness, yes. Well past a year, two kids now. Daughter is three and a half. My son is two and a half. Are you kidding me? Two and a half already? He's been two and a half years? Yes, yes. Wow. Time flies. Time flies. And your wife, is she working or is she... Where, where... So my wife has actually been home since um, through the pandemic and with the kids being so young. At this stage, she's starting to... Um, she wants to go back. I mean, she's been itching to go back to work and she's starting to get to do some coverages and things like that to just to start to kind of fill it out and see how, what she wants to do. But and what does she do again? She's a chiropractor okay. and um, she has her own practice, which uh, she closed that down with when the pandemic hit. And uh, at the time we also, she was pregnant. <laughs> so the pandemic and I'd, Baby came early also. That's right. So we needed to, super early. So we kind of needed to close things down. And now we're in the process of thinking of going back and open again. Okay. Now, when you say open again, open to have another baby or open Uh, another practice? No, no, no. no. uh, The baby (laughs) thing is done. We have uh, two beautiful kids, a boy and a girl. We have the complete, the perfect set. So we are are done. (laughs) No more babies. So why don't you tell your, our audience what do you do, how you end up 
in Spring Hill and your background. Yes, yes. I'm a primary care physician uh, with a sports medicine background, sports fellowship, uh, sports medicine fellowship trend. Currently, we practice basically 100% managed care, almost 100% managed care. Mm-hmm. I came uh, to Spring Hill. I was in my residency in uh, Illinois at the time, originally from Haiti, a uh, tropical guy. I moved to the U.S., ended up in Illinois doing residency. I wanted to get back to Florida. That's where most of my family is. At the time, my mother was in South Florida, and she was older, and I wanted to come being in Florida to, like, so I can be closer, spend more time with family. And I interviewed with Access Healthcare. And at the time, I was supposed to take a position in South Florida and, and Port St. Lucie. And they told me to come and see most of the operation is up in Hernando County. Mm-hmm. And they told me, hey, I want you to meet this young, smart doc, doc <laughs> that we probably would want you to work with. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> I came up and, and it's been over 10 years now. Yeah, so, so that, uh, I'm not sure why he said young, but, uh, that would, that, that doc was me, uh, and I'm not, was not young. And we were looking to expand the practice, and we definitely enjoyed having Dr., Dr. Brunel uh, Joseph in our practice in Spring Hill, but then, you know, life happened to me, and I ended up, um, having to give up the Tampa office, right? So you took yes. over the Tampa office. But even before we get into that, that aspect, you said you're from Haiti. Yes. Did, were you born in Haiti or raised? Born and raised in Haiti, moved to the U.S. as a teenager. I was 19 when I moved here. Okay. Uh, so you here. you did, they call it Cinco de Haiti? Oh, yeah, in Haiti, yes. In and French? I, yes. French school. Yes, yes. Okay. And moved here, went to UF uh, for my undergraduate degree and, and ended up staying in Florida mm-hmm. and uh, ended up, again, moving back to, I mean, I've been around with, I moved back to the islands for a few years, moved to England, did some of medical training there. Okay. And, um, and uh, in England, go to Illinois for my residency and fellowship and came back to Florida. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if I knew that about you, about the e- England part. What What do you think is the, the biggest difference that you saw in British medicine in Europe versus medicine here? What was the biggest difference? Well, the biggest difference, obviously, is the payer, right? You have one payer, mostly in England, you have the National Health Service, the NHS. Mm-hmm. Uh, funded by the government, and only a few selected few people can afford to get a private insurance on the side if they do not want to wait on the NHS. Like we all know, if it's run by the government, it's slower. Mm-hmm. If you need something done, if it's urgent, it's going to get done. If it's emergent, it's going to get done. Okay. But it was the slower pace in the National Health Service. For I'll give you an example. Okay. In England, if you need a knee replacement, for example, that's an elective surgery. It might be important, but it's not er- emergent. Then that might, you might have to wait online for a few months. Few maybe, months. Yeah. Maybe could be even six months. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you see the physician, they schedule you. Is it because the scheduling is so far out or because they don't have enough physicians? Well, it's a combination of things. So the, the way the National Health Service works is that we go to med school. When you're done, you have to spend some time working for the National Health, the NHS. Okay. But the, those same physicians, particular surgeons, they also have their private practices that they run, mm-hmm. right? So an example, if you come to me as an orthopedic surgeon on the NHS service, it's going to take you longer. Things are a little slower there. But I can go next week to, the, to, to my yeah, private to, practice and, and do it for you privately. So that kind of, again, this is, I'm saying the negative part of yeah, it, right? Yeah. Obviously, the positives are 
it's yes, you pay more taxes, but you are covered on the insurance for emergencies or for medical care. It's all covered that way, but it's not, you're not going to get the service the way, I mean, it's not a fast service like okay. it is here okay. in the U.S. So, sorry. Sorry, we, we distracted from that because I was always interested in finding out what your personal experience was because you've done both. Yes, yes. So, you did your residency and fellowship in Illinois, Illinois. Yeah. and you decided to do sports medicine. Correct. So, you, I know that, rem, remember having conversations with you and saying you wanted to do sports medicine here. You were thinking about joining, being a f- team physician. Yes. And did you ever do that? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, I did some coverages. I covered some teams, college and high schools. When I came back to Florida, what I really wanted to do is a, is a mix. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do practice with, I can do my general managed care practice. And I had that vision of having my sports medicine and doing sports injuries and concussions and things like that on the side. But I kind of soon realized that managed care really demands your full attention in terms of the things that you need to do to be there for your patients. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that in terms of it's not you come in and I take care of your headaches and bye-bye, right? You're responsible for the comprehensive care of that patient. And um, so that requires a lot more. So then I decided to focus more on, on managed care. And that, that was a good decision on my part. Yeah. So when did it click for you that managed care was a, a good decision? I know that you know some physicians still are practicing a, a fee-for-service. They're doing a lot of um, injury medicine or, uh, how should I say, uh, auto accidents and things like that. When did you feel that it kind of clicked for you? Well, when I really kind of realized and and managed care. The preventative care piece is very important, right? So mm-hmm. we need to do more prevention. I mean, I saw a quote, if we could prevent, if we could eat better and exercise, we can prevent 70% of the of the diseases and the money that we spend on healthcare yep. in this country, right? Yep. So it clicked for me when I realized I didn't have to see 30 patients in a day. I didn't have to see 35 patients in a day. I could see 10 patients a day. And take spend time with those patients, do good preventative care, and in terms of the financial reward, is probably better. So I'm I, I feel better because I'm taking better care of that patient. I spend more time with my patient, and also the financial reward was also better. So it kind of clicked for me there. So what do you say your colleagues are doing? Do you talk to your colleagues about what you do and or your former residency uh, training yeah. colleagues? Mm-hmm. Most of my colleagues that I went to school with are still doing FIFA service. Some of them, my sports medicine guys, some of them chose to do 100% sports medicine. And some do primary care, but not sports, but not managed care either. So it's mostly FIFA service. Mm-hmm. And they, most of them are in the grind. They are seeing 30 patients, 25, 30 patients a day. I mean, if I remember correctly, you have to take like to break even, you have to see at least 17 patients or 20 patients a day. And to make a profit, you have to be in the 20s, 30s, so yeah. in terms of fee-for-service. So it takes... Um, so are they seeing younger patients? Because I, I couldn't see myself, I, I mean, at this point, doing this 20 years now, I couldn't see myself seeing 20 patients. If I see 15 patients a day, I'm like, oh, that's a lot. Because you do so much for your patients. How are they able to manage that? I mean, how are they able to do everything for the patients with chronic conditions? Correct. So what's happening is most of these guys, they... We are, they are not doing a comprehensive visit for that patient every mm. time, right? Okay. If, if you have to see 
30 patients, obviously. I'm going to take your blood pressure, give you the medication for that. Then you might have to come back for. <laughs> so you're, 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 you're turning them, but you're also having them have to come back, come back. to manage other problems. So it's one, one problem at a time. Yeah. So you've been doing this how many years now? What, 10 years? 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. What would you say are three things that you really like about managed care? I think you mentioned one, but what are, yeah, what are two sure. more things? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the preventative care piece is very important to me because I think the fact that we are responsible for the overall health of the patient, then you take your time to do a lot of preventative care. And if we prevent, if, if I make sure that the colonoscopies are done, I make sure the mammograms are done, then we can prevent the colon cancer. We can catch the breast cancer early. Then you're going to, the patient doesn't have to go through as much. We will not have to spend as much. Uh, so I like that managed care is really preventative care focus. That's one. Again, I mentioned the fact that you financial, the financial reward is better. Yep. For sure. And you, you build a better rapport with your patients as well, right? Because the patient knows. You will make sure the patient knows that you're there for them. Mm -hmm. You're there for them weekends, day, 24-7. And my patient, they know to call me. It's my job. They know that. I'm okay if they call me on Saturday because they have a burning question about something. Uh, because of that, you build a better relationship with your patients. They will open up to you more. So I think those are the things that I really like the most about my industry. Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And it's, it's building those rapports. And I think I mentioned in, in the last episode, you know, five things, five reasons to embrace managed care is because if you see a 65 year old patient, that 65 year old may live another 15, 20 years. If you have a good rapport with them, you prevent care and you do what you need to do to, to manage their care. They're never going to leave you. So that's guaranteed right. income. Correct. And even if they do leave, I had one patient who left and he came back, you know, with his, uh, I shouldn't, he was embarrassed to come back because he thought I was going to yell at him. And I said, no, no, I just want to know, why did you leave? Well, it was closer to my house. It was 15 minutes from my house. But doc, that other doctor was just yelling at me and pointing his finger in my face and telling me I have to do certain things. And I just felt horrible. I, I, I'll never leave you again. <laughs> so... I'm sure you've had those experiences. I've had similar experience. I have the most recent one, patient I've been seeing for a long time as well. And there's a group that came to town where they provided a lot of things, including transportation. And that was the, the drive for her. They can take, pick me up from home, take me to the office. They do the x-rays in the office. They, 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 they do everything there. And yeah. she called me to tell me, she was so sorry I have to leave. I'm like, that's okay. That's going to work better for you. But she came back because then she realized that the, they pick her up and they have to go pick up 15 other people. She's in, she's in a van for most of her day. <laughs> and when she gets there, it's like she's, she's a number. Yeah. And you know me. I can, I can, it's like, that's why I came back yeah. because sure. you know me and, and. Yeah. It's all about the relationship. Like, yeah. It's, it's all about the like relationship. Family, yes. Yeah. yeah. So what are three things that you would change? Things that you're like, oh man, this, this really sucks. Things to change is the perception of managed care by other specialists. And even some primary care doc don't really get managed care. So there are some people you'll meet in our profession. You say, hey, I do managed care. They're like, ah, oh. for some reason, there is a negative connotation that some people have about managed care. And I think it's because 
the primary care doc controls. They feel like they control too much of the care. And the other things, I don't know if something I want to change is just like, because it's managed care, it's more detailed, it's more involved. You are responsible for, it's a bigger responsibility, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? You have a fee for service patient, they come in, let's say you did the bare minimum, they leave two days later, something happened, they end up in the ER. As a fee for service doctor, it's not, I mean, yes, it's my patient I care, I wish it didn't happen. However, you're not so on the hook, so to speak, for yeah. whatever happened to that patient outside of. So as a managed care person, the hospital called me, they text me and say, hey, I have your patient here. Can you see him tomorrow? Because I'm thinking about discharging. But if you can't see him, then I'm going to keep him here. Oh, I will see them. So it's like you always, your responsibility for that patient continues, yeah. right? So what else I would change about managed care? I mean, it, maybe on the patient side, some patient also don't recognize what managed care is. Mm-hmm. I still have some patients, and it's hard as a physician, you don't know what you can teach the patient, what you cannot. Uh, I've, I have a patient come to me, blood pressure was kind of elevated. I wanted to come back in a couple of days. They were saying, oh, that guy feel bad. I don't want to, to abuse the system. They think <laughs> if they come back to see me again next week, then I'm going to be billing the insurance. Mm-hmm. So there is an education part, both for physician, need to be educated more about managed care and the general population as well. But it's like, what's the, how do you do that? How are you supposed to do that? There's that gray area of what you're supposed to tell the patient or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I think one of the things I, I, I find really difficult to, for me to even accept is some of the heatest measures. I don't know if you, yes, there's a heatest measure that we're, they're all over us. And if a patient has cardiovascular disease or even diabetes, they need to be on a statin Understood. drug. Yes. Sometimes the patients are intolerant to it. Sometimes their cholesterols are normal. So I haven't found a good study that tells me that if a cholesterol is normal, we still need to prescribe a statin. statin. Long-term studies. I mean, I'm talking 20, 30, 40 years. So, and there's no way for us to get rid of that measure. So I I find it a little annoying because as a physician, we should have the ability to say, hey, we should exclude this patient out of this criteria so that we can meet the measure. Measures, yeah. But, you know, they want 85%, 90% compliance, which I think is a little crazy. Correct. And and the other part is like the patient, and that goes along with the patient's responsibility, the patient that blood pressure medication, they mm-hmm. say the patient is not compliant, but sometimes the pharmacist is sent it too early or the patient cannot tolerate it. And so you have all those measures that you're supposed to meet that can be challenging. Yeah, Absolutely. So what's the one thing you would tell a younger physician, such that by doing that one thing, it would make their lives much easier? Oh, I would say being open to learn, right? Being open to learn and not just, and we both know, we don't get trained in medical school for any of this. In terms of the financial side, the payers, out of training, I did not know the difference between fee-for-service and managed care. I heard about it and I wanted to acquire more. Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn and I felt like this is... This was the way of the future. So I was willing to do that. Just like I said, some outside of if, even other physicians who mm-hmm. don't know about managed care look at it a certain way. Outside of people coming out of training sometimes, and I've been, some of them are not even willing to learn because they, they've heard that managed, certain things about managed care. So I, I think what I would, I would say is to be open to learning uh, about different peers, open to learning about different insurances. 
obviously open to learning more about medicine because obviously you have so much more to learn yeah. once you finish training. Those are the really the things I would maybe get a mentor. That that's something I've I thought about. I should have done early. Mm. Get a mentor because sometimes a lot of us are in our own little bubble. You don't know what the next primary care guy is doing. If any, there are certain questions you don't want to ask. You know how you know how yeah, it is in yeah, terms yeah. of it's a competitive uh, landscape. I mean, yes. if you ask this question, or if you know what this guy is doing, he's going to take patients away from you and. Right. And there's so many patients out there. There's so much. You don't need to think that way. But those are great points, man. Yeah, but even financially, so that's a big taboo also within our field. You can't talk finances. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's no and, and that's one of the biggest things we should be talking about. <laughs> yeah. Because we're coming out of debt. And I, I saw on a, I was on a Facebook group, a physician community Facebook group, and one of the questions from a physician, and I guess this is public knowledge because it's on Facebook, so I can say it, but he had three kids and he just came out of residency making $250,000 a year and they're living in a 2,000 square foot home. They have debt. They owe people money and he wants to buy a house. Should he buy a house? And <laughs> I know you know the answer to this. Yes. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> exactly. No. No. But, you know... The old me 20 years ago would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, but you make enough money and yeah, you should, you know, get out of the rent. No, no, no. Pay off your debt. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's another thing. When you said, uh, what else? If I were to go back, financial education. Uh -huh. Oh, my goodness. In terms of, <laughs> if I know then what I know now, I would be in a much better position today. Yeah. Right? Within the first three years of finishing our responsibilities were not much. Mm -hmm. I was a single guy making good amount of money. Because yeah. <laughs> if, if you go back and think, okay, I was making good amount of money. Yeah, yeah. And it was just me. Yeah. So I, I was, I, you know, I'll tell you what I was doing. I was flipping houses with student loan debt. <laughs> what, what what business did I have doing that? That's just nuts. Yeah. But I did it, and you know, we, we learned from our mistakes, and we try to. We're trying to, at the practice impossible, keep people from doctors from doing this and this type of stuff. So I think I think people are getting it. It just takes a little bit longer. And we need guys like you who can come on and share your experiences and tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Definitely. Most definitely. And uh, I so thank you for coming on for a third time. But this oh. one is actually recorded. And I see the levels on this machine going up and <laughs> things are recorded. So I think we're good. I think Anytime, we're safe. And I'm happy to do it. Thank you so much, Dr. Joseph. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. All right.